Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? And I think it's the topic that as I've started the Old Soul Medicine Circle is perhaps one of the most profound ways of healing. In fact, it can jumpstart all other healing. It can help us with our intentions. It can give us that, that jumping off point. Healing only starts when we are ready to heal. And if we're not ready to love ourselves, we have to ask ourselves if we really are ready to heal. Um, Self-love is all about wholeness. And if we're ill, if we have issues in our lives, be they physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual, the illness is a result of a lack of wholeness. And so when we can put back wholeness into our lives through self-love, I think that we can radically change our lives. Now, I'm no expert. In fact, I just read a book the other day that really, really got me on this path. I've been on this path for a while. I've had all of the signs show up. I've had um, crazy synchronicities, but a lot of those synchronicities were things that I perceived to be negative. They were conversations I've had with friends and colleagues where I always tend to be in this victim state. I've always tended to be in this, woe is me. Why can't I get out of here? Why can't I do anything right? How am I here again? What's wrong with me? And I've noticed that what the issue is, is a serious lack of self-love. My friend, Joey Garrity, talked to me about love bucket capacity. Now she definitely takes this to the practical side. She takes it to business. And I think it's relevant though. I think it's relevant for both sides, whether you're building a business or not. And she worked in Hollywood She's going to be on my my Old Soul Archaeology podcast. You may want to check out in a couple of weeks. But she talks about these Hollywood stars who are able to be in this spotlight, like literally be in the spotlight. I'm not sure that at my level I could do that because I'm not really ready for it. It's an energetic thing. And Joey says it's a self-love thing. It's a capacity to be loved and adored by other people. And the way I have taken it over the last few days, especially with this book that I started reading that I'll tell you about in just a minute, it's really about the capacity for loving ourselves. And then it's mirrored out there in the real world. If we haven't opened that capacity within ourselves, then it doesn't matter that anyone else loves us at all, because even when they say they do, the first thing that pops up is the little devil on our shoulder going, yeah, right, I'm not worthy. I grew up in very religious um, surroundings and was on a huge search. I've mentioned this in my story before. There was a lot of dogma. There was a lot of doctrine. There was a lot of contradiction. There were a lot of things that, you know, there were sermons and homilies and all of these things that talked about the love and the wisdom of God. And yet on the flip side, we were unworthy still. And we could only be worthy if we did this, 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 and this. And I'm 
not talking just about my Catholic upbringing where I could go to confession and be good until the next sin, which was indubitably only moments later, but also in the Christian realm where supposedly it was once and for all, right? And so the the idea wasn't a weekly confession to a priest. It was more just a turning away from life. Now, I don't want to get all religious and I actually have a very huge aversion to dogma and doctrine, and I don't think self-love has to have that, although certain dogmas and doctrines and will trigger you, and self-love will trigger you because of the teachings of those doctrines. I know they do me, um, and I know that my tendency is to like project, project my fear onto other people. Like, oh, they're going to think this, they're going to think this, they're going to think this. Well, where else does that thought come from except from already inside me, right? And maybe they'll think it and maybe they won't, but it's coming from me. And so if I can turn that on its head and start with self-love, then I think I can solve a lot of my own problems. So I started this group called the Self-Love Experience. And I had thought about calling it the Self-Love Project. I thought about calling it the Self-Love Experiment. and yet. It's all of those things because we do have to practice. We do, we, we kind of have to experiment on ourselves to see the change or we'll never really know. We can read all about someone else's change, but we'll never really know it for ourselves unless we do the work. And that's the experiment part, but it really is an experience. It's something we live in. So I started that group on Valentine's Day of all days because a soulmate to me starts right here. It starts with my connection to the divine. I am my first soulmate, not anyone else. And I, I think that there's a certain level of finding the soulmate in here that has to happen before we find it out there. Now I'm lucky, I have an amazing husband, one who is very, very attentive to making sure that my needs are filled. He's adoring, he's uh, adorable. He is all that I could ever wish for in a partner. And yet I also went through transition to be ready for the love that he um, gives to me. I don't know, had we met 20 years ago, if I'd have been ready. Um, and maybe he's gone through his own changes. So there's certainly something to be said for the maturity in both of us. But <laughs> um, So back to the book. I want to tell you about the book. The book is by Kamal Ravikant. Forgive me if I'm not saying that right. Some of these names elude me, but um, he's an amazing author. The book is called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. And apparently it's an updated version. And my friend Joyce Slaughter of Mosaic Starfish recommended it to me. She said that it's um, it's got new sections that are incredibly profound. So I never read the original. And interestingly enough, the image on the original was like a guy with a gun to his head. And that's a pretty powerful image. And I'm not even sure I would have been drawn to that book under the circumstances. Now the book has an image of just this kind of guy in a black suit, kind of forlorn. And, you know, he's looking up. It's just black and white and just a hint of red on the cover. Um, so it still gets a message across without having the gun to their head. But even though... I haven't been to the point where I've wanted to kill myself, not physically. There have been emotional 
and spiritual challenges that I've gone through that have made me feel like I just want to give up. Like maybe I just won't get out of bed. But guess what? My life depends on me loving myself. The quality of my life depends on me loving myself. So I've read other books by Matt Kahn. I've done some work with um, Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. And um, they are great books, but they didn't hit me quite like his book did. And maybe his won't his won't touch you like this one did, but something else will. So I'm not exclusively focused on this book. But what I really love about it is the simplicity. It kind of hit me over the head with a two by four. And he was, uh, he went through an illness. He went through a really bad breakup of someone he dearly, dearly loved. And she had to make her own way and he had to find his. And he does, he tells the story very sweetly, but also very honestly. And it's not all, um, it's not all blame, although he felt like blame. He felt anger, but it's not all victim either. He, de he definitely comes to terms with taking his responsibility for the relationship and how things move forward um, with and without her. So his first, his first step when he was feeling like he just wanted to give up, having been a CEO of business, he had started a venture capital firm, he had lost the business or there were some serious financial difficulties. He had a serious illness. I can't honestly remember all the details because I zoomed through this book in mere hours, just drinking up all the nuggets. And the nuggets were me for were these steps that he took. And the first step was to make a vow. His vow was that I will love myself. I will love myself. That's not his words. <laughs> I can get to that later. But that was his vow. His vow was this commitment to himself. I will love myself. And then the second step was a mantra of just telling himself all day long. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And it's, it feels funny at first, right? This whole, you know, gosh, some of those other affirmations feel better. Uh, I will be financially successful by the time I'm 45. Oh, I'm 48. So I guess I missed that one. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Some of these mantras, they're hard to believe. We're not really aligned with them. We're saying them because society has this idea that success looks a certain way and we've bought into it. And maybe that's what we want and need, but maybe it's not. So I actually have this, it's a little rose quartz heart and I stick this in my pocket. And it's, it, it's become my touchstone. So when I feel it in my pocket, I just repeat to myself, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And I've awakened to saying this to myself. In fact, the other day I woke up and I looked at the playlist that was playing, my sleep playlist, and the song that was on was Love Yourself. <laughs> it was kind of poignant, a beautiful little synchronicity, but I also, I go to bed saying, I love myself, I love myself. When I find that something triggers me, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. Because in any given moment, the best thing we can do for ourselves is to have compassion. And I know the way I was brought up, this compassion what for myself was selfish. In fact, in the circles I grew up in, 
joy was one of those things, especially at Christmas, right? They, they, you've got the J-O-Y and uh, celebrate the birth of Christ and Christ came to, to show us love and joy stands for Jesus first, others second and yourself last. Where did they get that? I don't, Jesus never said that. He never said that. Certainly I can relate to my connection with the divine, my connection with source, Christ centeredness, Christ consciousness, that's already within me. So if I let that flow through me, like a pipe allows water to flow through it, then I can actually feel that love. But somehow I've insulated myself from that love and I still expect to give it to others. And I don't think it works that way. So yes, Jesus, but I think it's not Jesus first, other second, and yourself last. I think it kind of all goes together. There is no first, second, and third. But because our experience, again, we're back to that word experience, our experience is the only one we know. It's our jumping off point. It's where we learn from. It's where our own compassion comes from. That's why we start with, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. Again, back to that whole energy thing. When we open up, to this allowance of love that's coming from ourselves, because we can, we can actually give ourselves more love through the divine than anyone else out there. So we can open up this love bucket, as Joey Garrity calls it. We can open up this capacity to the, the wide expanses of the universe. And then when somebody comes up and they tell us they love us or we look beautiful, we can honestly say thank you because our capacity is there. We can say, thank you. We don't have to have that little voice pop up on our shoulder going, mm, yeah, I don't think you love me or, you know, or whatever. And then when we say, I love you to someone else, it's also coming from the purest place. And they still might have that little voice their shoulder that says, mm, I don't think so, but that's not about your love for them. It's about their love for themselves and their ability to hold your love for them. So a few interesting